0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com.
1: Welcome Keto Reset Podcast listeners. You're here with Lindsay Taylor, and I am super excited to bring you the guests we have today. Um, today, I'm going to be talking to Sean Miner. Sean is a nutritional therapy practitioner and a restorative wellness practitioner, um, a holistic nutritionist based out of Boulder, Colorado. I'm sure we'll be talking about her story in a minute here, but I just wanted to introduce her for a second. So Sean, after years of dealing with her own chronic health issues, made a choice to change the food that she eats, the lifestyle choices she was making, and the mindset she brought to her daily life and was able to completely reverse the health challenges she was facing. Um, Now she's made it her life mission to help others understand and implement the power of using food as medicine. And she specifically uses a high fat, low carb approach. Otherwise, as you guys know, of course, a keto approach to help her clients. So she has an online holistic nutrition practice, helping clients one on one with their individual health concerns. And she specializes in women's health, autoimmune diseases, health imbalances, and she has a healthy gut project as well. So she's also teaching a group class that I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit today too, which is called the Fat-Burning Female Project. And in that project, she takes women through the process of becoming keto-adapted with a safe and effective approach. I actually learned about Sean by listening to her podcast, The Keto for Women Show. And she also has a second podcast called The Nourish Podcast with uh, her friend Meg, which is also a great podcast. I encourage you guys to check both of those out. And then those podcasts, she shares her knowledge about Um, the keto journey and what she's doing with her Keto for Women project. Um, She also chronicles her own journey and has a wealth of information and some really amazing looking food recipes on her blog, seanminor.com. And we will link to that in the show notes so you can check it out yourself. So welcome, Sean, to our podcast today. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am really excited to talk to you. Um, I'm hoping that This is going to be uh, the beginning of an ongoing series where I can talk to people who are not just living the keto lifestyle, but actually kind of, I'm calling it keto in the wild. So they're helping people, actual clients and guiding them through the process of becoming keto. Um, And because I really feel like people like you who are in the nutritional practice and who are talking to people in the real world have some really valuable insights about kind of the the real world challenges and struggles and successes that come along with transitioning from a sad diet to a keto or, you know, otherwise low carb, high fat, or even primal approach. So can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with your clients right now and like what you're seeing in terms of the kind of the world of keto as it is right now?
2: Yeah. So with my clients, you know, they're coming to me with... Specific or just general health issues, and they want to start feeling better and seeing some results. And so I take them, I mean, specifically if we're talking in a group, we go from what they're currently eating, which for some people is standard American diet. For some people, it's paleo. For some people, it's AIP or GAPS, you know, just these really specific protocols that they're doing. But instead, we're transitioning them into a ketogenic diet slowly. We're taking our time to do it because in that time, you can learn a lot about yourself. You kind of take some of the stress off of your body when, especially as women that we face um, when we do make transitions to our diet a little too quickly. So we're taking this kind of relaxed and balanced and calm approach to getting into a ketogenic state and making sure we're eating enough food and that we're getting enough nutrients and really fueling our bodies appropriately. Also taking time to not see it as kind of this A crash diet or new thing you're going to try, but something that we can actually use to heal our bodies and heal what's been going on for potentially years and years that we've never actually corrected. And that's kind of what keto can do for us as women uh, if we just make sure to do that nice, kind of safe, easy, calm approach to it.
1: Yeah. One of the reasons I wanted to have you on specifically is because I've heard you talk about this, uh, you know, calm, slow approach. And it's very much in line with what we're trying to do at uh, the Keto Reset, which is, you know, ease your way into keto. Um, And, you know, we start with the transition into primal style eating if you're not already doing that. So cutting out You know, the inflammatory oils, the grains, the sugars, the things that are keeping you locked in carbohydrate dependency and might be contributing to negative health problems you're having or even just, you know, kind of symptomatology, even if you don't have a specific kind of chronic health problem. Um, Can you talk a little bit more, though, from your perspective about why it's important To not necessarily go from, like, let's say you are starting from kind of just a typical American diet, even just a healthy, you know, quote unquote healthy, you know, maybe whole grain based, you know, low fat, why you would recommend and why you take your clients through this kind of slower, gentler approach?
2: Yeah, so specifically for women, that's who we're talking to today and and that's really who I deal with most. Um because for men it's so easy, they can just switch one day and it's totally fine. But for women when we take that approach too quickly, especially going from say healthy American diet to keto, that's a still a pretty big change. Mm-hmm. Uh that's a big change to your diet, you're increasing your fats quite a bit. Uh most people really reduce their carbohydrates. Uh right away. And that's just stressful. I mean, everybody's body is going to see that as stressful. And if we as women, because we have these amazing hormones that like to uh, go awry at a moment's notice, and specifically when we are under a specific state of stress, then um, then things can really start going wonky with how we feel, how we look, uh, our menstrual cycles things can just kind of get a little wacky and so we take this slower approach and that really keeps that from happening it's going to keep that stress response kind of much more minimal you know it's, it's still going to happen because we are changing our diets and there is this kind of uh keto flu that we all go through but it's going to be uh much smaller, much more tolerable. Your body's not going to see it as this uh crazy amount of stress that you're now under and you're going to be able to maintain those hormones that we have that we need to maintain in order to feel our best and um to stay in this nice happy place that we like to be in. So, that's why I created this approach that just really it's not like okay, one day you're eating this and then the next day you're eating that. It's like okay, let's take where we're at Let's uh take about three to four weeks to actually become ketogenic, and in that time, you can kind of retrain your body what you're going to be using as fuel in a slower approach uh, instead of just all of a sudden not giving yourself any carbs, which our bodies are used to, if you're not in a ketogenic state, your body is used to using glucose as fuel, and then all of a sudden it's just not there that's that's stressful, right? That's a little crazy for your body and it doesn't know what to do, but if we can kind of slowly make that transition to lower that glucose level, which is your energy source, while at the same time increasing that fat intake to where you are starting to produce ketones and getting that uh going a little bit quicker, then it just it makes it all a little bit easier on the body for women especially.
1: Yeah, you hear all the time that, you know, keto's not for women or that you know, women have a harder time with keto. And I just, I mean, I think that's a big oversimplification, but I do think that there are obviously specific things that women need to think about whenever they're making any kind of dietary change, just because we are going to be more sensitive to things as simple as just the number of calories you're taking in compared to say the man in your life or whatever, who's Mm -hmm. a lot more flexible in terms of his ability to not be physiologically stressed by those things.
2: Right, exactly. And I hear that all the time. This, uh, I, should I be doing this? If it, I'm a woman, is this okay? Am I going to wreck my hormones? And a lot of times, what I see is if women are struggling with keto, first of all, it's because they're not actually in ketosis mm-hmm. and they're not actually testing to see that. So, what happens a lot of times is we think we're going to go into this ketogenic diet. So, we reduce our carbs by a lot. Mm -hmm. And we don't increase the fat enough, or maybe you have another tablespoon or two throughout the day and you think you're going high fat, but that's not enough to spur ketosis. Mm -hmm. And so then you just become really, really low carb. And like I said, you um, put that stress on your body because all of a sudden you're just not having any fuel right? So um, I that's kind of one of the things where I do think it's really important if you want to do keto as a woman, then you should be testing for ketones to make sure you're there because that's always the biggest thing is people think that it doesn't work for them, but it's just because they're not actually doing it.
1: Yeah. Another question I hear a lot is, you know, I've been doing this for a week and I'm not in ketosis. And it's like, well, A, a week is not very long. And B, how do you know you're not in ketosis? And their answers often, you know, they expect to know they're in ketosis because they get this, you know, this keto bliss mental state that they hear about. Yes, And I mean, what's your experience with that? Because mine has been that, first of all, not everyone, just like the runner's high, right? Some people feel it really profoundly and other people are like, I've never felt that. You know, my experience has been that, you know, the this experience of the mental, like the mental signs that you're in keto can be anything from this kind of wired energy to, kind of just more of like a steady realizing you don't want to have a nap at two in the morning or kind of anything in between.
2: Mm-hmm. I can tell you for most women, it's much more subtle.
1: Oh, okay. That's interesting.
2: You know, we all expect to hear because we've heard um, on blogs and podcasts and all this stuff that there's this keto magic the day you get into ketosis. Mm-hmm. And it just, it for most women, it doesn't happen that way. Interesting. First of all, like like you mentioned, uh, you said people are thinking after a week they should be experiencing like walking on clouds. Right. And um, <laughs> it doesn't work that, like that. <laughs> it doesn't work like that, unfortunately. First of all, for a lot of women, it takes a lot longer than a week or even two or three or four weeks to get into ketosis. Mm. So that's the first thing is you, it really is a person by person basis, woman by woman basis. You have to just kind of go with what your body wants to do. Take the time to let your body figure that out for itself and be patient. But it can take, you know, six, seven, eight weeks for Mm -hmm. some women to get into ketosis. And then once we're there, then it's like, wait, the magic still didn't happen Um, because it is much more subtle for a lot of women, especially if you are someone that's dealing with something like adrenal fatigue or thyroid imbalance or something where you have this kind of deeper issue, you're working to heal, then if you're dealing with that, it's not going to be magic when it happens. You are getting into ketosis to heal. So I tell people this every single day. Yes, it is this magical, awesome thing to be in, but it doesn't mean that rainbows are going to happen. It just means that's when you can start that healing process a little bit more efficiently. So it's more so like, oh, today I woke up and uh, I wasn't as foggy. Mm-hmm, and then, mm-hmm. you know, three weeks later, I woke up today and I felt pretty good. And then three weeks after that, I woke up today and I felt amazing. So right. it's a little bit more subtle. It takes a little bit more of a gradual turn then. And the same thing goes with, you know, like not feeling hungry and, um, you know, those these energy spikes and all that stuff that we talk about with keto.
1: So... I hear you saying that you are you recommend that everyone be monitoring their ketones, like their blood ketone or breath, or obviously the urine strips are not ideal, but um, that you have all of your clients measuring, at least at the beginning.
2: Yeah, I do because not as, and I recognize this, but I want it to be a more so a way to get to know your body versus this tool that we can start kind of obsessing over and another number to add into the mix. Uh, I don't, think it needs to be this like science experiment with yourself, but I do think that getting that knowledge about when you feel really good, what do your ketones look like? When you don't feel good, what do your ketones look like? And it also, there's a lot of confusion and questions in the keto community about what should my macros be? And a lot of people following these macros for you know a 250 pound man when they're a 120 pound woman, so um, it just you need to be able to figure out what works for you, and I really do believe that, the, that testing your ketones can even, even provide you with that information about what your macros in a day should look like, what your plates should look like, when do you feel best, what foods work for you, what foods don't, how much fat, how much protein, all that stuff can really. Mm-hmm be answered just by getting that little bit of
1: information for yourself. I think it's so tricky and maybe especially for women, but I'm sure that this applies to a lot of men too, is that you want to, I feel like there's this desire to strike a balance between just eating intuitively, right? And then um, having all the possible data to help you make informed choices. So, you know, with the food tracking and the weighing your food and the measuring your ketones I mean, I think that you know, my opinion is that especially when you're making the transition into a keto or any diet really, but especially with a keto diet where these things are kind of maybe more tightly monitored, um, that it's really important to gather that data and just use it again, just like you said, against your own subjective data. And then after a while, you know, especially if you're feeling really good and if you're not having any acute health problems, then you can back away from the weighing and the measuring and the Blood ketones and all that. But I think a lot of people, and maybe a lot of women especially, are afraid of getting too obsessive about their food and thinking too much about food. Mm-hmm. And so, how do you help your clients balance that concern?
2: Yeah. So, I completely agree. There is unfortunately not really a great way to get into ketosis without somewhat measuring and tracking and calculating to some degree. Now, uh, In my class, I actually created this whole other way to track and measure so that we know without having to do this like huge math equation. But you do have to know that information for yourself because you have to know that you're getting there. So I completely understand that and I am someone that is all about intuitive eating and learning how to listen to your body and your body will tell you exactly what it needs and exactly what food and exactly what ratio if you just listen which a lot of us have disconnected from that um over our adult lives so i really like to take that time so like i said transition slowly into ketosis take that time to you know maybe start some tracking and And measuring just so you can have an idea. But while you're doing that, also take a look at those plates, like really get a good look at those plates, especially when you feel really good and see what it looks like. Because from there, then you have this framework that then, you know, four or five weeks down the road, you can kind of back off from that calculating and measuring and weighing and just know this when this plate looks this way, that's when I feel the best. And then it becomes kind of this place where we can become more intuitive with it um, and know, okay, so most of the time I'm going to be eating a plate that I know makes me feel really good. And then you have these opportunities too to be like, well, this is going to make me really happy if I eat this right now. Uh, It may not be the best choice. It may not make me feel the best or be contributing to my health 100%, but it's going to make me happy. Um, And then you have these choices where uh, you're also promoting the, the, the health factor and make the choices that make you feel good, but they may not be your most favorite food ever. So you have this balance, but you have to start with a little bit of knowing about yourself and using that tracking to, to get there, using it, not just to track and calculate, but also to understand what your body does when, um, when that food is in that ratio and how you feel, and then you really can go without it. And the same thing goes for testing ketones. I mean, it's very much a thing that happens at the beginning. And then once you get the feel of it and get the hang of it, you can kind of back away from that too. And you just intuitively know, yes, I'm in ketosis. Yes, I'm feeling really good or no, I'm not. And no, I don't. Uh, But you have just so much freedom within that. And I always tell people, I didn't really know what food freedom was until I went to keto. And that really is what brought me food freedom because I love the food I'm eating. I feel really good. I know what a plate looks like a food that's going to promote my health and healing and happiness. Um, But I do still have those moments where I just want to have something that would make me happy. So maybe it's like a gluten-free chocolate chip cookie or something. And it's not going to totally throw me all off. It's just me being intuitive. And it has stopped the tendency to want to binge or um, just totally go off the rails because I am not telling myself I can never do that anymore. So It's just, it it really does open the doors to a lot of food freedom and intuitive eating once you get past that first
1: hurdle of, you know, figuring it all out for yourself. Totally. And when you say food freedom, that's what I mean when I'm talking about in our Facebook group about metabolic flexibility, right? The idea is that Mm. none of us, not me, not Mark, not you, not anybody in the keto space that's worth listening to is saying you can never eat a carb again or a piece of pizza or a piece of cake or whatever. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to establish kind of like a baseline level of metabolic health and also a baseline level of knowledge about yourself and the way that you interact with food and how food makes you feel. And that way you can make informed choices. Because we're all grownups, mm-hmm. we all get to pick what we eat. <laughs> like, when no one's trying to tell you what to do here. But yeah, exactly. But there
2: are so many rules that we've created over the years of being adults that now it's hard to back away from those
1: for a lot of people. I think. Right. And I think keto feels like it has a lot of rules, right? Mm-hmm. So, and that's what I think is a maybe a turnoff to some people is that keto feels like a whole set of these dietary rules that are now being imposed on you, and people don't like being told what to do, and it's intimidating.
2: Yeah. And especially in the keto space, there's just... I mean, you can go to every single keto blog and they'll give you more rules. So you could come away with like 30 rules of how to do a ketogenic diet. And quite honestly, most of them don't matter. They just really don't. You have to find out what works for you. And from there, there really aren't really any rules you're just finding out what where you feel best.
1: Right? There's a start there's a kind of a jumping off point, right? So like we're going to start here and then we're going to experiment. And I think for women especially hearing that
2: and being able to implement that is really really important, especially if you have been coming from this past where you've tried every single diet, which I know a lot of us out there have. I'm one of them. Mm-hmm. And um you know, you have this past where all you know about food is that there should always be rules around food. But then when you realize that there doesn't have to be and you can have this freedom and you can also still be in a place where you are using food as medicine and you're healing your bodies, but you do have that freedom because you're producing ketones, but there's a little bit of give to that. It's a great place.
1: This seems like a great time to actually take a step back. And do you want to tell us a little bit about how you arrived at keto and you know a little bit of your backstory, which I know because like I told you off the air, I've been binge listening to your <laughs> your podcast, the Keto for Women show. Um, Yay. But why don't you tell our listeners for um, our podcast a little bit about kind of where you came from and then how you found keto and kind of what it did for you and why you're so passionate about it now?
2: Yeah, sure. So I... um Let's see. I guess my story kind of starts in two ways. First of all, I was pretty deep into the fitness industry. I've been in the fitness industry or was in the fitness industry for 11 years. And I was pretty deep into that and training pretty darn hard. Uh, And uh, at the same time, I developed my first autoimmune disease, ulcerative colitis. And um, at the time, I was totally cool with just taking the medication not really thinking much of it. And then eventually the medication stopped working. And I also realized maybe I could do something more with this in my own lifestyle and health and food and all that stuff. Uh, So I eventually switched to a paleo diet. That was um, about five years ago. And it was great. It really did a lot of healing for my health and my autoimmune disease. Uh, Everything was awesome. And then all of a sudden it wasn't. <laughs> and then I started developing new random health symptoms that I could not figure out what was going on. For me, it was uh, like brain fog, like very intense brain fog and chronic fatigue, uh, joint pain, um, a lot of unexplained weight gain in a very short period of time, just really random health issues that were making me feel absolutely terrible. And I c- there was no Reason why I could not figure out the reason. Um long story short, it ended up being a response to toxic mold exposure that I had been living in and not knowing it. And uh, I needed to go through a treatment protocol for that. Uh, but in that meantime, I also had obviously become a nutritionist, and I was helping people with their own health issues. So I knew the core thing that I could do was also heal my body through food. I knew that that was something that I believed in, that worked. And for me, the next place to go, because I'd already been paleo, was to transition to a ketogenic diet because I knew the benefits of producing ketones. And I learned much more about the benefits of producing ketones once I made that decision. But uh, I made the switch while going through this protocol, and it completely changed my life. I mean, I was really struggling a year ago, and it's been a year since I switched keto. And um, it. I was one of those people that had these magic moments, and within two weeks, I was feeling like a different person. I could actually uh make it through the day without having to take a nap and I had energy to work out and these were all things that had kind of I've lost because of this illness that I was going through so it completely just totally shifted my life but I did make a few mistakes and I learned from them and I was just continuing to learn about keto and that's really where I developed this passion for helping women specifically use this as a tool to gain their health like I had but also not go do those mistakes that I did. Uh, and I kind of made this whole um, program from it, and now I help women one-on-one as well. And it just has been completely life-changing. I truly feel the benefits of ketones on a regular basis, just producing those and the energy I feel and the mental clarity. And it it's just pretty cool. It's pretty great. So that's how I came to be, basically.
1: So... I know that a lot of the people that you work with have stories, not obviously exactly the same as yours, but come to you because they're they're struggling in one way or another and they're hoping to use food as medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm kind of looking at the people who are coming to us now in, in, in the keto space and I'm seeing kind of two groups and I, I think that they're actually overlapping more than we think they are. They're kind of the people who are looking to use food as medicine, right? And dealing with you know autoimmune issues and... Maybe metabolic health disorders, gut health type things, and then people who say they just want to lose weight, right? Yes. And I'm, um, and I actually, like I said, I think those two groups are maybe more overlapping. Like a lot of the people who may think they just want to lose weight actually have things to heal that they're maybe not even aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm one of the questions I asked you before we started was, um, you know, this question of if someone is looking at the ketogenic diet and they are needing it for you know therapy right medicine for one reason or another you know is it a good idea for everyone to just kind of make a dietary change right away or are there people who come to you with you know x y or z health problem and you say let's work on the problem first and then go keto, right? So is like keto the answer for everyone who, you know, for obviously within reason, but like is is making a dietary change always step one for people? I think honestly for most people, yes, because especially with a ketogenic
2: diet and producing those ketones, there are so many benefits to that, that your body is going to get that it will help with that whatever you're dealing with. So I do think for most people, yes. I would say maybe the people that wouldn't be is if they're just not ready to make a dietary change. We can start a little smaller and make some other changes. Like for instance, I know you said uh, in the Keto Reset that you're just getting people off of oils to start You know, using the crappy oils and processed foods. Maybe that's something where we can make smaller changes at the beginning. It just depends on the person. But you know, I truly, because I'm a nutritionist, believe that food is medicine and I think most people probably listening agree. And it really can be the medicine for almost everything. It really is the place to start. Now, of course, in most cases and specifically in my practice, there are other things that have to happen. You can't just change your diet either. I mean, in so many women especially, we have to look at their lifestyle too because a lot of illnesses we're going through are at least somewhat caused by uh, stress. So um, that's kind of the situation where we can make those dietary changes in a less stressful way while also working on the lifestyle and then uh, you'll actually see some some major benefits. But I really am kind of the person that thinks that quite pretty much everyone could could do this um, and make the change at least somewhat in small doses and see the improvements.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. Because I actually tend to agree that, you know, what actually I just was talking to some people in our Facebook group this morning and, um, you know, we're having a lot of people because w- when you and I are recording right now, the book is not out yet. It probably will be out by the time this podcast comes out. But, um, you know, a lot of people are coming to um us, and saying, You know I'm so confused, I'm so overwhelmed by the amount of information out there, and I'm saying to them that my opinion is that making these changes is not gonna you're you're never gonna feel worse for making good choices, right, so that mm-hmm. you don't have to go from zero to a hundred today, but there's ways to do this kind of incremental implementation, right, so make a couple good choices now. And set this goal to do this, but, you know, there's no reason to delay or drag your feet on something that really for almost everybody will should have, you know, good outcomes. Like you're not going to lose from cutting back your sugar. You're not going to lose from improving the quality of the meats and the fats that you're Eating, right? You're never going to, it's never going to be bad to get better sleep or to cut that toxic person out of your life or to find a way to balance your work stress a little better. And all of these choices incrementally matter. And you don't have to make them all today, but it definitely, you definitely can start by making good choices, even if you don't have a clear sense of like exactly all the choices you're going to be making three months from now. There's no reason to not make at least a couple of good choices today
2: yeah, and I do think that keto is kind of that space where there is almost too much information for people to actually get started for
1: sure. Yes.
2: it's like, I don't even know where to begin, so I'm just not going to do it at all. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be that way. Like you said, there's so many small changes you can make. and and that's really what I promote in working with my clients is like there are some actually really easy things that you can do today. That will make it a lot easier to see what happens in a month. Right. You know, so I think, but yeah, unfortunately, as awesome as it is, there's just, again, going back to all those rules that people will tell you,
1: it totally paralyzes people. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, we were just talking about analysis paralysis mm-hmm. earlier. That just, and there's, and the f- fact of the matter is, there's some bad information out there, right? So people, you know, if you get too much into the weeds, and you start getting into the nitty gritty and you don't know who to trust. And it's just, you know, and then people get frozen and they're not making the choices. Yes. So let's take this topic a little bit further. So what do you think are kind of the top, you know, the top tips or the, you know, the top best steps for someone who's starting? Like if someone comes to you and they're just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I've read all these blogs and I'm completely frozen and it feels really hard and it, And we know it's really not that hard. So how do you kind of get someone off that kind of initial stepping stone into like starting a keto diet?
2: Well, I think the first one that is most important to me is to increase your fat intake. And that's pretty easy to do. Most people, again, find this really, really hard, but it doesn't have to be. If you just don't make it so uh, confusing and intricate, just add another... had a butter on your broccoli, um, make your own mayo, make your own dressings. Uh, there's just so many things that you can do to just add a little bit more at every meal. And that really, really helps. So no matter what, even if you don't want to be keto, I really think that most people could benefit from adding a little bit more healthy fats to their day because they're so important for our overall health. Uh, The second thing is to just take a look at your carbs. I mean, obviously we do need to get into a pretty low carb state, especially at the beginning to produce ketones. So take a look at those carbs and see kind of what you need, what you don't need, what you could possibly do to eliminate some of those, not all of them, but some of those from your day. Uh, I really just, the easiest way I tell people is just Focus on getting lots of vegetables, even if they're a slightly higher carb vegetable like beets or carrots or something like that. No need to be scared of those; they're still awesome veggies. Take just get tons of veggies in your day. Um, you can use avocado and nuts; those kind of things are uh, very fat based, but also have a little bit of, of carb too. Just focus on getting your carbs from those, and you'll be just fine. Um, and you know, if if you're not quite at the point where that could be all of your carbs and you know if you add a sweet potato or some white rice or something go for it for now and, and then see how you do with that and i think also just um make sure you're eating enough food overall that's something that i find the biggest probably the biggest mistake i think that a lot of women make is Continuing to see this as another diet and just eating
1: such a small amount of
2: food when they're trying to go keto.
1: So true. Yes. I feel like this is my constant chorus is please eat more. Please eat enough food. Please eat enough food. Please eat enough
2: food. Because it's so hard to keep telling women you are not eating enough food. And it's, you know, there's a lot of pushback to that because people are afraid of weight gain and and body fat gain and all that mm. stuff. So it's definitely a very hard message to push, but it's so true. I mean, we can completely change a lot of our health issues just by making sure that we're fueled properly. So um, just within keto, it is can be kind of challenging, I think, because you are increasing your fat, hopefully, to a nice uh, high point. And it does help with your hunger cues. So you begin to feel potentially less hungry, more full throughout the day. So a lot of people say, well, I just kind of forgot to eat, which I understand. But when you're trying to heal your body and um, get into this nice, awesome state of ketosis, it you really do need to continue eating. Just having one meal a day is not going to promote the health that we're looking for, specifically in women.
1: It is such a hard balance because the caloric you know the hunger regulation is touted as one of the big benefits of keto and it is great to not get hangry mm-hmm. but at the same time you know i do feel like a lot of people are finding that to get enough calories they're having to eat when they don't feel really really hungry because of the way they're eating and um and that's such just a, such a hard balance to find and a hard message to push that you still need nutrients <laughs> you still need calories if you're trying to be healthy you need to eat enough. And that you know, what constitutes enough may be a little bit less than it used to be once you're a little bit more metabolically efficient, but it's not, you know, eight hundred calories a day less probably if you were eating well before, you know. And so it's so mm-hmm. I find that there's this kind of an this weird anomaly with keto where it's Sometimes easy to undereat because you're just not hungry anymore, but then once you realize how delicious fat is, and especially for people who are like drinking a lot of their fat, it's also sort of easy to overeat, yeah, and so that's where I think that tracking can really be helpful is is just knowing what you're putting in your body. Because um, I find people who have problems with both undereating and overeating because the fat, once they get into it, they're like, oh man, mayo is amazing. Almond butter is amazing. Butter is delicious, you know? Right. And then you have like two fatty coffees in the morning and you're just way over
2: already. Yeah. I do understand that too. Um, but it's just, it, that's again, like you said, where the tracking really does come in handy just to get to know your body. Um, but if you are someone that's coming from a past of being on diets and probably being kind of low calorie which there are just a lot of women in the keto community that are in this spot then you also have a metabolism that you need to heal and that might mean that you're going to eat when you're not hungry but and it's again super hard because we're all about intuitive eating and eating you know listening to your body but to some degree, you do also have to work on healing that metabolism. And it really does, once you do that, and once you kind of get into this rhythm of eating enough food, then your body will start responding and you will be hungry. It won't be this hangry blood sugar crash thing that we're now getting rid of because we're in ketosis, but you will know when it's time to eat a meal. And that's when you know that you've kind of worked on that metabolism and done some healing.
1: Yeah. I think that part of the problem is that people are not Patient enough, right? So they expect that the intuition is going to come in week two, you know, and that they want to both heal their metabolisms and also start to lose weight, right? And the and I know that from listening to your podcast, I think you and I are totally on the same page here, which is just eat first. <laughs> At first, we're just eating. We're just eating enough food. We're eating the right types of food. We're eating enough fat. We're eating enough calories. Just eat first And then once you have the eating dialed in, then you start to tweak it to your specific goals.
2: Oh my gosh, yes. You just took the words right out of my mouth. I really do say this every single day. And it, again, is a very hard message to get across because unfortunately for some women, if you've been in this constant place of malnutrition, then you're going to probably gain a little bit of weight you know or at least is that what
1: you're seeing with your clients yeah
2: yes you might gain a little bit now i'm talking like 5 pounds nothing mm-hmm. that we should be totally freaking out but of course we freak out because no one mm-hmm. wants to see the scale move if you're someone that's trying to lose weight which is the case for a lot of women who do keto um and that does change over time but you've got to be patient you have to give your body a little bit of time. And you also have to know that you're now doing this from a different place. You're doing this from a place of um, health and happiness and balance and not from this crash dieting place because that doesn't end well for anybody. We all know that by now. So when you do this um, and you go through this place of nourishment, then yeah, you may experience just stalled weight, maybe a little bit of weight gain, but then your body starts responding and you get to this awesome place of of weight maintenance at where your body is comfortable and you don't have to diet. You don't have to restrict your calories and it's kind of awesome to go there.
1: Yeah, it really is. But I I mean, I just think this is a huge hurdle for people is they're just afraid to gain a pound. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and it, I get it. it. I mean, I hard. totally get it. You know, I'm... Yep. I'm not any, I'm not magically different than anyone else. Like, I don't want to see the scale go up either. You know, I mean, I'm doing this for health and we're just, it's ingrained in us that, you know, if you see the scale go up, that's the opposite of health. Right.
2: Right. Yes, exactly. And the only thing that I will say though, is how often do we, and have we as women potentially decreased our calories, seen the scale move, but then it stops. Mm-hmm or seen the scale move, but then it goes back up. Mm-hmm. Because that that doesn't work. That methodology does not work. And we know that now. We've gone through these yo-yos. We've done these restrictive things. And we're obviously still looking for the answer because now we're here. Um, so now it's time to maybe just try something different. Right. And, and see what you can do if you let your body heal but just just give yourself a little bit of time and a little bit of grace that's all i ask and you really will see the benefits
1: so let's talk about the the kind of mental side of it a little bit more then so do you have any strategies you use or or kind of tools you impart to the women you work with for you know feeling more patient or trusting the process or kind of you know just anything that's like more mindset related to help them because Change is hard and it's very, you know, for food issues are very emotionally entrenched, you know, mm-hmm. and, di- and anytime something is called a diet, which again, I totally agree that I wish we had a better word, you know, eating pattern, way of eating yes. food lifestyle, yes. or you know, but really, I mean, we're, we all still call it the keto diet. Um, and though that word in and of itself is just fraught, right? For a lot of women. So what do you do with the women you work with to help them develop the mindset that sets them up for success with this kind of dietary and lifestyle change?
2: I mean, the biggest thing that I really, really promote is that we want to work on our health. So you may have a specific health issue like autoimmune disease, adrenal fatigue, thyroid imbalance. Uh, These are the women that I see commonly. So that's what I'm... Or even like a gut health issue. Uh, Those things are really great and um, to be healed, by a ketogenic diet. But we need to focus on those things because so often, and I know you brought this up um, a little bit ago, the reason why you're holding on to weight, and I would say this is about 90% of the time, the reason why you're holding on to weight is because of a health issue. Mm -hmm. So that is a symptom of something deeper going on in your body, whether you know that specific thing or you don't. So... If we can just kind of let go of the weight, knowing that it's going to change when we heal our body, then um, let's just focus on those health things. Focus on wanting to get really, really healthy, really, really strong, um, really having awesome energy to play with your kids or hang out with your husband or whatever. And focus on those things, like how you want to feel uh, and the health issues that you want to just be in your past even just like random symptoms like bloating or whatever. Focus on on changing those things and take a little bit less focus off of how you look. And that's really when things magically start happening. So if we can just shift our focus, and this is something that I'm constantly um, coaching in all of my ladies out there, is let's focus on something different for a while and see then what happens with our weight down the road when we start healing these things. So it's just, you have to want something more. You have to want to be healthy and at this awesome weight, instead of, I just wanna look like this. I just wanna look like this particular thing. This is my goal, this is my goal weight. Um, I want these clothes to fit. If you don't have, if all you want is that, and you don't have any concern about your health, then it's not, you're gonna continue this cycle at some point you have to break it. Mm-hmm. So I really think focusing on something a little bit bigger and a little bit more important for most people is kind of the way to to break that cycle.
1: Yeah, I could not agree with you more. And I just, I think that a lot of people get hung up on this should, right? I should look like this. Mm-hmm. I should eat like that. And they put this um, value overlay onto what they're doing. And so they set their standards in terms of kind of it's almost like this outward focus right like how am i how am i behaving and am i doing things right and what are other people going to see when they look at me and if you can just turn it around and be like how do i want to feel right what do i want for myself mm-hmm. what kind of health do i want what kind of things do i want to be able to do but it's just so hard when you have all these kind of external standards and expectations. And people don't really realize, I think, the degree to which they're being affected by that. And then I think that that really mm-hmm. is a challenge for getting people to shift their primary goal, which is exactly that sounds like what you're saying.
2: Yeah. And it, I mean, it is so hard with the media that we're constantly absorbing by looking at social media and TV and commercials and all that stuff. But It really, I think we also have been ingrained to believe that the less we weigh, the healthier we are. And that's not true at all. It's more so, you have to heal your body in the way that it wants to be and look and feel and do. And that may be 10, 15, 20, 30 pounds more than what you think you need to be at in order to be quote unquote healthy. And I have a personal experience with this. I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm also the heaviest I've ever been, (laughs) you know, and it. I coming from the fitness industry, I was constantly being bombarded with how I should look and I had to look the part. And so I had to go to extreme lengths to get there. And now that I don't, and I just nourish my body and I just enjoy life, I'm a little bit weigh a little bit more, but I am the healthiest and I'm the happiest. And that's what people notice. People don't care what you, what size you wear. If you are truly healthy and truly happy and you shouldn't either. I mean, if, yeah, there's of course going to be, um, situations where you do have to lose weight in order to gain that health. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but once we get to this point where maybe we're just kind of creating this number in our head, of what we should weigh or the size we should wear. And that's kind of all we can kind of think about. But once you can get past that and just say, okay, let me just see what my health can do and what happens when I'm truly healthy, it just takes a little bit less pressure off yourself too. I think mm-hmm. absolutely. And I just, I really am a firm believer in that because it, it worked for me just to kind of get over that and, Um, just try to be the best person I can be beyond what size pants
1: I wear. That is awesome. (laughs) And I actually think it's a really perfect message to end with. Um, I really am super grateful for you coming on the show and taking the time out of your very busy schedule to grace our listeners with your presence and to just spread the word about health and this thoughtful approach to keto that I just really admire in your work.
2: Yeah. And it's so refreshing to talk to someone like you that has a similar approach and I am not just this crazy person
1: (laughs) out in the keto community. I feel like we could probably talk for another two hours. So we'll probably have to record again in the the near future. Um, So (laughs) remind all of our listeners where they can find you and hear more about what you're doing.
2: Yeah. So you can go to my website at seanminer.com, just my first and last name, and learn about more stuff that I'm doing. And I'm also on Instagram at Sean Minor Health. I'm over there all the time Uh, and Facebook at Sean Minor Health too. So we can chat with me all over the place.
1: Awesome. And for our Keto Reset listeners, um, you can find me in our Keto Reset Facebook group. Um, You can get more information about the book at ketoreset.com. Of course, primalblueprint.com and find more of Mark's work at Mark's Daily Apple. And Sean, thank you so much. This has been really great talking to you. Thank you, Lindsay. Bye
0: bye. Hi, Brad Kearns here with something different than a stiff commercial script message. I want to give you an authentic endorsement for one of my favorite supplements of all time. It's called Adaptogenic Calm, it used to be called Primal Calm. And the key ingredient in this formula is called phosphatidylserine, or PS, and this agent has been shown in hundreds of studies to blunt the catabolic effects of the stress hormone cortisol in the bloodstream that's released in response to all forms of life stress, whether it's a series of difficult workouts, extensive jet travel, personal stress of any kind, we're constantly triggering the fight-or-flight mode in modern life, in those heavy training cycles when you're really pushing your body and trying so hard not to fall into that overtraining, overstress, foggy brain function spiral downward. That's right. Phosphatidylserine has also been shown to enhance cognitive function. It's commonly used in Europe on cognitive decline patients. And you can make that connection between when you're frazzled and overstressed and how your brain doesn't work quite as well. So this is a brain function enhancing, stress hormone reducing, secret weapon. Adaptogenic Calm. Look for it on primalblueprint.com.